0: And welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension I am Tyler Smith I am David Batch. And thank you for listening David Yeah, we're in a rush, huh? Let's get this shit done Because we started Well, you set Because you were out Yes
1: uh, You told me to come over an hour later than normal Families in town had stuff to do And then We sort of got Caught up talking about Everything From Tom Waits New album Mm -hmm. To I don't know More personal shit Yeah (laughs) Um, And uh, now it's been another hour so uh
0: damn I got
1: I got yeah. work tomorrow. Um, yeah. can't be here all damn night talking about Tom Waits and more personal shit. Um personal shit being the name of his new album of course. <laughs> but uh I thought that was his new like New Young and Crazy Horse it was Tom Waits and More Personal Shit. Um So uh we're going to talk uh about Vi- what it means to be a visionary director yes. what, what director do we consider visionary and why yeah. and
0: what that even means because yeah. I think the word's thrown around a lot but first I uh, want to um,
1: uh, make a couple announcements a live show uh September 3rd it's 10 bucks it's 8 bucks if you buy online if you go to com, yeah. there's a link right there underneath the awesome poster that Ab- Adam Repetaro made for us mm-hmm. um the show's yeah September 3rd 8 p.m. uh 8 bucks in advance 10 bucks day, day of the show um Lorraine Newman Bill Dwyer Paul Gobel Benny Arthur mm-hmm. us um maybe Jason Egan will do a thing uh um, We'll see if we can get him <laughs> I mean <laughs> I mean, I hope not, but don't let that deter you. It'll be a good show either way. Um, What else? Uh, I feel like there's another thing. Uh, Oh, yeah. um, Thanks for reading the blog and uh, keeping those comments coming. I really like reading the comments. It really makes... Because, you know, as I talked before, we were seeing numbers. Mm -hmm. Like, I knew people were looking at the blog, but there were no comments for a while. And so I essentially chilled for them. And it's... It's very rewarding to see people comment on the things that that we and our other any other writers uh, have written.
0: It is nice to sort of engage in a conversation, whether people uh, agree or disagree. As mm-hmm. long as everything stays respectful, I can I can appreciate that. And um, and actually, speaking of shilling for things, because I, I had this thought yesterday. Um, so here's the deal. Uh, I'm very pleased with our with our numbers as far as the podcast and listeners. It's really great. I, I, we have a lot of people uh, who like the show and support us, and that's really that's really great. However, I'm not content with this anymore. <laughs> I like it, but it's been like this for a while now. So I want to try and uh, get this out there. And I put something on Facebook, admittedly, at like four a.m. when no one ever sees anything. That's when I that's when I choose to post everything that is important to me because uh-huh. that to me is like the nine p.m. Uh, for most people. So, so I'll put this out there. If you are a fan of the show, uh, talk about us on Facebook or Twitter. And what, here's what I would say is, uh, the to last the people in your community, exactly. Hold a, hold a, a meeting at uh, the, your local YMCA. Your mail person. Exactly. Um, your pastor. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, your mayor, obviously. Write a letter to the mayor. Right. And your congressman. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and, like... Who
1: else? Uh, local uh, television news anchors. Oh, See if you yes. can find them. They probably have Twitter accounts. DJs and VJs. <laughs> are there local VJs? I, have to, I think there are, yeah. Absolutely. Like public, it shouldn't be public access. Yeah, I have to assume uh, that their I couldn't are absolutely to I could get three three words out. Which yeah. ones? <laughs> certainly public access certainly public it, access it took me like an hour to say those three words <laughs> i know um, and we and we don't have an hour day yeah, we've, we, we've burned we, through yeah we want to try and do like a 20 minute episode if we can um, yeah that's gonna work out no that's obviously not gonna happen you can look it down in your ipod right now and it says you know
0: three hours and 15 minutes or what have you um uh, but here's uh, so like the last uh, like 60 or 70 episodes i think 60 now that i think about it um are available like on the website. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can you can find um, most of them except the first forty on iTunes. But as far as like ones with an actual clickable link with a photo and, and all that sort of thing, uh, it's only the last sixty or seventy on the website. So uh, pick one of those that you like, put that on Facebook and say, "Hey everybody, this is an episode of this podcast. Go. I like you should listen to it." That's a thing let's, you can do. Let's get the let's get to the word out. I'm I'm glad that you guys listen, but I want more.
1: But wait, when I say pastors, I'm not saying that we only want Christians to listen to the show. Right. Certainly tell um, your imams, tell mm-hmm. your rabbis, tell the head of your coven, uh, <laughs> whatever, you know. I need to start a
0: podcast for people in covens. <laughs>
1: but, More uh, than one coven. <laughs> um, and also, I wanted to say real quick, I want... And I forgot to actually tell you about this, Tyler, so we're telling it Oh, on good. good. I'm going to be producing another episode of uh, On the Page mm-hmm. on September 11th, um, 2011. Um, so I figured that'll be an opportunity to maybe record some Pilar talk, since I'll be with Pilar. Indeed. So I needed to ask you if you'd be free that afternoon. We can talk about that off mic. We'll uh, see how it goes. But... Um, Send, uh, yeah, send to David at com and David at BattleshipPretension.com only, mm-hmm. uh, relationship or sex advice questions, um,
0: for, uh, for Pilar to answer, and she will answer them in a movie-related way. Unless anybody, of course, be like, well, I don't want to ask, like... Really important questions to people yeah, that no. I don't really know. Don't ask yeah, important. We questions. don't want
1: like, if it's something you need to talk about with like your therapist, yeah, or Dan Savage, Head or of a your police coven, officer, whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Keep it there. We I don't want any serious shit. Um, <laughs> speaking of one e- email address only.
0: Oh right? indeed, yes. Okay. It's been a while since we've done a top one hundred top one hundred list on the website, and I had been talking about it for a while, uh, even so far back as uh, the old website. Uh, but just things just kept coming up and we well, what weren't have we done prepared so far? to do it.
1: We've done best characters.
0: The 100 best characters of all time in movies, of course. Yeah. Um, and then the 100 best movies of all time.
1: Yeah. And these were listener voted. Yeah. Uh, crowdsourced mm-hmm. is Ooh. what these were. <laughs> um, uh, lists. And, um, we've been talking about doing another one for a while. I kind of dragged my feet on this one for a while. It's kind of, right. it's kind of my fault, mm-hmm. but, uh, We're back in business. Yeah. And the reason that I'm so eager to do it is
0: because I don't have to do anything this time. <laughs> so send in many ways. Cause it used to be, cause here's what we would do is for the characters list, we had a hundred of them and we wanted to write a little something about each one. But at the time there were only two writers for the site, <laughs> you and me. Yeah. And so each of us had to write 50 of these things. Yeah. And, uh, that was uh, a hassle. But yeah. We've got a lot of bloggers now. Yeah. So we'll, we can we farm can this out. Farm out. Yeah. yeah.
1: So here's what, was, here's what's going to happen um each of each of you and of course anyone else you tell Mel Cary, you know this sort of thing um make a list of who you think are the ten best directors mm-hmm. um you know ten the ten directors you would want to see on this top one hundred top one hundred mm-hmm. list ten that you think should absolutely be included yeah so um and uh but still, you know, not, I'm not saying you should go with someone more obscure because you don't think other people will pick them. They really right. need to be the ten you think are the best because that is what informs the list. Right. So ten best directors um, and send it to Tyler at com. If you send it to David at com, it will be...
0: Ignored and deleted. He'll just trash it immediately, and uh, probably block your email. Address. Here's a, oh my, that's a little reaction. <laughs> no, I won't uh, do that. <laughs> that is a, yeah, because here's actually something that happened last time. Last time we said send it to both of us, and what happened was. Some people decided to send it to David and not to me. Some people decided to send it to me and not to David. So when David and I compared lists, son of a bitch, they didn't match. And yeah. so we had no idea how to actually compile these things. So we had to make a, a, couple, a couple judgment calls. So just send them to me, Tyler at com, And I think we'll we'll have this go for about four weeks.
1: Yeah, so this is episode 232. Mm-hmm. I guess we will then stop mm-hmm. at episode two thirty. 5 to 236? 236. 236 is when we'll call. We're not going to announce them because we still right. have, have time to compile and everything. So but. we'll
0: say September 25th. Okay. It's the 25th today, so we'll say September 25th, even though this is going up in, in a few days. September 25th is the cutoff date, so get your list of 10 directors that you think are the best. To Tyler. To me. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, of course, these, these can include silent directors uh, or foreign directors. Yeah. All right.
1: That should go without saying.
0: It should. They can also but I want include, to include um, non-narrative directors. Absolutely. Do- oh, that's. thank you for saying that. I agree. Um, yes, documentary directors is and experimental, and experimental directors. Yeah. yeah. You want to incorporate Stan Brackage? Uh, I don't agree, but by See, all means. You just bought Stan Brackage
1: like, a, a couple dozen votes. Did I? Yeah, because the thing is, I, I try to go out of my way not to say any name when we do these, mm-hmm. when we announce these lists, because I feel like it taints the list somehow because it puts it in people's head right but now because i'm saying this people are going to not vote for stan bracket okay so i feel like it so let's pretend no one said the name stan bracket all right and just put him on your list if he's one of your uh one of your ten best
0: who's that again i, I don't know where are we <laughs> so uh yes i'm very excited for this to happen and then probably in early october we'll uh we'll uh unleash unleash isn't the right word We'll reveal the list. Unveil? Unveil. that. Oh, that's much better than Unleash. Um, Sounds like something th- terrifying if you unleash <laughs> it. And maybe it is. I don't know. That's up like to you, a, listeners. Like a comic. <laughs> that's something you unleash. Um, uh, I mean, in,
1: in theory. Yeah, if you're Byron Allen. Um, <laughs> okay, so we're going to get to our visionary directors, but you recently saw a film by visionary director John Favreau.
0: Although I think you and I actually specifically... On your comment on our Comic Con episode, discuss that he- we don't consider him to be a visionary. <laughs> right, yeah. but uh, but I appreciate your attempt at uh, a segue there. Yeah. All right. So, would you like to know how much of an asshole I am?
1: Are you asking me or the listener?
0: Listener, the you listeners, already, e- email you your know. answer to Tyler at
1: battleshipengine. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm asking. Tyler the- will tell you how much of an asshole he is or not on the next episode.
0: Yeah, we'll record this now, but we'll <laughs> we'll bank it. For the next one. So here's something that happened that I did, because uh, I don't know what's going on with me. I went and saw Cowboys and Aliens at, the little, at the little... Oh, that's
1: not the thing you did?
0: <laughs> it wound up being not terrible. Um, it's, you know, it's gotten basically straight C's across the board. I'll give it that. Maybe a C+, because I do like Harrison Ford in that. Who is this Olivia Wilde? I saw the changeup. Why do people know who she is? I don't know. Is I had the exact she's, same She's on thought. House,
1: but you watch House, and you didn't... Her. No, no well i don't i haven't watched house in years oh, okay is
0: she new on house is that the
1: deal i don't think she's even on anymore i think she was on for a while oh okay
0: yeah no i uh, i had the exact same thought I, I saw like okay daniel craig i know who that is this is what i think when opening credits start harrison ford yeah all right olivia Wilde. third i don't know who that is <laughs> but apparently there's a, third there's a
1: handful of actors and actresses like you know there's a person called amber heard I've heard the name, yes. Yeah, I don't know. She was in Drive Angry 3D. Oh, I don't know. I, is I don't she related know she to John
0: Hurt. I know who that is.
1: Yeah, um, and I think she's going to be on the Playboy Club, that TV show. Oh, out. all
0: right. Yeah.
1: Um, there's a guy named. It's a delightful name. His name's Hugh Dancy. I know who I, kn- I, don't, I, don't, I. have a general idea of who I don't who know that who is. that is. I know he was in that one about the guy with Asperger's, right? Something, Adam? Suddenly Adam or something like that? Just Adam, I Just think.
0: Adam. <laughs> You're thinking of suddenly Susan <laughs> yeah. with Brooke Shields. Right, right. I know who that is. Oh, Absolutely. How could you not? She's like seven so, I mean, tall. I
1: watch a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. I go to a lot of new movies. Yeah. I get press screenings. I don't know if I mentioned it before. Um, and I don't know who these people are.
0: Yeah, it's it is kind of strange. And we're supposed to have our finger on the pulse of film. Yeah. But I guess, and here's the thing, what I'm going to say is going to sound really pompous, and I'll even try and say it in a pompous voice. Um, you know, I mean, I guess, uh, well, we're talking about uh, things like exploitation in film. i uh-huh. discussing the films of F.W. Murnau. <laughs> I guess everybody else is worried about uh, this Olivia Wilde person. So I figured if I say it in a pompous I- <laughs> enough voice, it will make people be like, oh, he's self-aware. It's fine. I just find it weird when
1: everyone seems to know who a person is when they haven't, I haven't seen them in, I mean, I saw the change up and Olivia Wilde is in the change up and Mm -hmm. it's not, there's nothing she could do. I mean, it's a dumb role in Mm -hmm. a dumb movie. Like I don't hold any, I don't have any ill will toward Olivia Wilde. Mm -hmm. It's more just a sort of bafflement as to how someone
0: becomes known Is it a function of, like, the publicity machine? Like, is there something aside from the change-up, and I guess house, that we are supposed to know about? Is there some other major thing that just completely isn't on our radar?
1: Um, the Olivia Wilde thing, I first heard of her because Megan Fox said that she thought Olivia Wilde was, she was jealous of how beautiful Olivia Wilde is. Oh, all right. And Megan Fox is apparently supposed to be the most beautiful whatever. So basically it was uh, an entity I'm slightly aware of, tangentially mm-hmm. aware of, talking about another entity that I wasn't aware of, and suddenly that skyrockets. You know what I think yeah, I, it is. I missed the boat on Megan Fox, by the
0: way. I've that's never, right. I've the never boat, seen her in anything. That's all right. The boat's gone. It's fine. Right. You don't have to worry about that boat. I'm glad that it left so soon. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so the... So basically what I'm saying is that I, I'm older now. I have,
1: uh, you know, uh, I'm aware of my mortality. I know I've only got a certain number of years on mm-hmm. this earth. I'm going to know about the people I think are worth knowing about. And I and uh, not that Olivia Wilde or Hugh Dancy mm-hmm. are bad. Not or, at all. You know, garbage. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying when there are... I've got my finger on the pulse enough that when Hugh Dancy is someone... I need to pay attention to. I will be paying attention to it.
0: Right, uh, Olivia Wilde was perfectly good in Cowboys and Aliens. Didn't mm-hmm. necessarily do anything amazing with the role, but at the same time, there wasn't much in that role uh, to make amazing. So she did exactly what she was supposed to do, which I I feel like was supposed was she, she's supposed to be forgettable because she was. <laughs> but that I don't think that's her fault. I think it's the character. Um, so uh, yeah, it's very strange. I do feel as though someone in the studio was just uh, was like standing at a bu- bus stop, being like. You know, I hear that Olivia Wilde's going to be in Cowboys and Aliens. (laughs) She's really something. And basically just... They send people out there, like... Yeah. To say that, and people are like, oh, okay, I don't know who that is. Really? Wow. Everyone knows. You should. She's pretty great. She's an up-and-comer. And And then uh, before you know it, everyone's like, oh, Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde. Yeah. So, anyway, anyway, that's neither here nor there.
1: Yeah, so you went to see Cowboys and Aliens. You loved it. Best movie of the year so far. No question about it. Um... It blows Jane Eyre right out of the water. Um, See, you know who I know? Mia Vashikovska. I know who that is. She played Jane
0: Eyre. She sure did. But you know what? She wasn't even really on my radar that much until that film. I Because well, was... you
1: didn't watch in treatment. No, I didn't. And you also didn't care for The Kids Are
0: Alright. Uh, I liked pretty much all the acting in The Kids mm-hmm. Are Alright. I didn't think that... And I think she did well with that role and then of course you didn't see alice in wonderland no um and she was fine in that as well but I she was if very you good had in, watched Jane Eyre. in
1: treatment you would have been on board the mia Vatikowska train from the okay. beginning like i was
0: i do want to see in treatment it's uh, i'm frustrated that i haven't yet um so anyway uh so i went and saw cowboys and aliens and i went to a like a 950 screening on a Monday on i think a monday night Mm -hmm. and much to my surprise it was pretty full Mm -hmm. and i was sitting in a in an area sort of off to the side not a lot of people there and uh, i thought all right i don't hear a lot of talking even during the uh trailers yeah and if people don't talk during the trailer they usually will not talk during the film so i was very excited the last 10 seconds of the last trailer in runs this couple that sit right in front of me, like, except one seat over. So they're not right in front of me. They're not blocking any views. They're just right there. And immediately they start talking. <laughs> Admittedly, whispering. So at least they understand. I guess I just shouldn't. They have t- some s- sense of shame. Exactly. Yeah. One question, uh When I was telling my wife this, she said, well, doesn't that just condemn them more? That right. they have some sense, but not enough to be like, maybe we just shouldn't talk. Yeah.
1: They know what they're
0: doing is wrong. Right. And they do it anyway. So, really, uh, so they're whispering a little bit, and then it sort of tails off, and that's and that's fine. But then it picks up again, maybe with 45 minutes to go, and now they're just really, really talking a lot. Still whispering. about
1: how great the movie is,
0: how great Olivia Wilde is in the movie. I have to assume so. Stay tuned. <laughs> so... I was thinking of, like, leaning over and saying, I'm sorry, can you please be quiet? I was thinking of saying shush. I was thinking of kicking their chair. I didn't do any Shouldn't of this. should you and snap right in front of their face?
1: Isn't that your thing? I only do that with people <laughs> I know. But that people you know super well. People you do no, that I, with no, people no, I knew you them, kind of know. I knew them oh, okay. very well at the time. Okay. Um, that, have you told that story on the podcast?
0: I think I did, okay, yes. Okay, good. So, people can go find it. I'm a bad person. Okay, yeah, so... No, that's, a, uh, that's an
1: awesome story.
0: Uh, not with friends. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, oh, okay. I'm not going to tell that story. Okay, so I opted not to do anything because I know that this is not a good way of thinking. It was Cowboys and Aliens. Who gives a shit? It was three bucks. Who cares? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I, I expect. I sort of expected it at this theater, and it wasn't a movie I cared that much about. I actually, when Jen and I went to that same theater and saw... Um, Morning Glory, which is actually a pretty good movie, that both she and I wanted to see, and then like it just came and went at regular price theaters, um, and then it came to the three dollar one. It's like, oh, let's let's go see this, and we saw it mid afternoon. Then there was this woman and this man and woman talking, and I actually did go say something to them. You and crept the woman- up on them. Uh, apparently this woman has never t- was not aware of other people in the world. And I r- just shattered her view and she was terrified of me, which is th- maybe the first time that's ever happened. I don't consider myself to be very intimidating, but uh, I was in a
1: movie the other day, by the way, and yeah. there were some kids behind me. They're like 13.
0: Such contempt Ugh. on your face. Yeah.
1: Awful. I don't know why they're allowed out in the world without supervision at okay. that age. Um, like 13, 14. School
0: year's about to start, and, though. Don't worry. Yeah.
1: The movie was starting, and they were talking. hmm And I was like, okay, maybe it'll calm down as the movie starts, and it kind of wasn't, and I gave a dirty look, and I know the kid saw me, and he kind of calmed down a little bit, but then he was talking again, and um, just as I was like, all right, I guess I'm going have to have to actually say something. Just as I was thinking that, the guy next to me, who I didn't know, whipped around, and in a thick Australian accent, which I can't do, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> said... He said, will you guys shut the fuck up? <laughs> mates? Did he call them mates? No, I would, uh, no, he said exactly that. Will you guys shut the fuck up in a thick Australian accent. All and right. it was so awesome.
0: <laughs> did, they, did they? Yeah. All that. right. It's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. So I didn't do any of that. And the movie was over. And oddly enough, almost as if they felt guilty, although I don't think that's the reason. Um, they, these two like darted out of the theater. And I had made a decision. In the last 15 minutes of the show. Here's something i Wait, I'm, so you're
1: saying you, you didn't stay through the credits for Cowboys and Aliens? I didn't. How do you know... How are you going to know how it ties into the
0: Avengers? <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, so, so, they dart out, and everybody starts leaving, and I... What my plan is... My plan involves talking to them after the movie is over, and so that means I sort of have to dart after them. So, they're in the parking lot before you even know it, and so I have to... I don't run... But I have to, you know, walk at a pretty brisk pace. And I finally... There they are. And I go, excuse me. <laughs> and they look back. I'm like, hello. And and in my head, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and again, everybody, this is Tyler the asshole. So this is a couple? Or- this is a young couple. And immediately when they turned around, I'm like, oh, younger than I thought. Like, they're probably uh, 19, 20. Okay. Uh, and and maybe, maybe 21, 22. But they looked young. Uh, in The the backs of their heads made them look 27, 28. Okay. Um, So much younger. So immediately I'm like, oh, shoot. Okay, well. But they're not so young that they're unaccountable for their behavior. Yeah. And so, but the minute they turn around, I'm like, I'm committed to this now. All right, here we go. (laughs) I'm like, hello, my name is uh, Tyler Smith. I didn't say it like that. I'm not insane. Um, (laughs) You kind of did, I'm sure. A little bit. Oh, I I had to go into, You laid it on a little bit. Yeah, because I needed to make it seem like I was there in some sort of official capacity. And I said, hello, my name is Tyler Smith. I actually, I host a movie podcast called Battleship Pretension. I proceeded then to give them a card to show, look, I'm not insane. (laughs) Uh, Well, I am insane, but I also (laughs) host this. I've
1: got it together enough. I've got it together (laughs) enough enough that's old that's your old timing now i've got it together enough that i've been able to organize getting business cards made <laughs>
0: exactly. i'm at least that much a part of the world exactly and they're good-looking <laughs> business cards so you know i i have a jo- I can hold down a job and pay money for these um so i say i host a podcast called battleship pretension and i actually uh had a couple of questions for you and they're like uh okay i said so the show as i said it's movie related and it's uh, and we talk about movies, but we also lately we've sort of been talking about how people see movies, uh, especially in sort of a modern technological age. Which, admittedly, we have talked about that with like you know Moisés and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have played it up a little bit yeah. more, made it seem like that was a big component of the show. It is mm-hmm. not.
1: Although it is it, today. It is today,
0: <laughs> and so so I said uh, so I had a couple of uh, questions for you if if you don't mind, and they said sure. I said now, admittedly, these questions might sound rude. I don't intend for them to, but you did. I didn't want them to be rude, okay? And maybe the whole the whole uh, endeavor was rude, but well, they were. rude. They started it, yeah. And they- so, th- by the way, this story turns positive after a while. Okay, it's I'm enjoying it so far. Okay, good. So I say, all right. So I was seated v- near you in the theater, and I couldn't help but notice that you were talking. And they, and, and, and you know what? They immediately kind of like hung their heads and like, uh, yeah. And I was like, all right. They feel bad. I said, okay. I said, you know what? It's, it's not even really that big of a deal to me. I'm not upset or anything. I said, it's Cowboys and Aliens, mm-hmm. $3 theater. I've actually somewhat come to expect it and I don't care. And so I was o- I was maybe overplaying So you sort of magnanimously let them know that
1: they are a part of the world that you've become okay with. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I get that That's going to make them feel good. I don't think they – not to imply that they're dumb, but I don't think they put it together. I can be very charming to uh-huh. And so I really put – I w- really went into blockbuster salesman mode. Okay. When – and by the way, I was always the best salesman in the store. So um, except this one girl who like used her attractiveness to make sales, but her sales never stuck. never stuck. Alright, people always came back and wanted refunds for the Blockbuster Rewards, ten bucks a year. That's a bad sale. You got like Jonathan Price coming back in the next
1: day, like <laughs> oh. running his hands through his hand.
0: <laughs> and yeah, and then I have to be like, look, sit down. Some things are yours and that's you know, you have a bond with your wife, but some things are yours, and the blockbuster rewards is it. <laughs> so so I say, I couldn't help that you were no, so you were talking and I said, If you and I don't remember the, the order uh exactly what I said I said, okay, there are, I said, the film nerd community of which I'm very much a part really looks down on talking in, in movies. And I said, but often our first reaction is knee jerk anger, which as it happens is true. And, and we, and I said, but the fact is like, we've built our lives around movies. I said, and I apologize. And I said, I apologize. I'm about to use the word average and I'm sorry. I said, "But you know, how often do you guys see movies?" And they said, "I don't know, a couple times a month." I'm like, "All right." I say, and I'm like, "That's about average." And you so in that sense, again, no offense, you're the average movie guy. I remember an interview with
1: Harold Ramis once where he said that the average American goes to the movies 5 times a year.
0: Really? Yeah. All right. Well, I guess they go more. All right. Well, I guess But I above think average. for probably for people that age, that's probably uh, a couple times a month is probably average. That's true. Yeah. Okay. And so So I said, all right. And so film nerds care more about this kind of thing than the average moviegoer. And I feel like we naturally just start to think ill of people that do it. And I know that our instinct is to just immediately get upset. And I said, so let me ask you something. Let's say I was upset by you guys talking. If I had shushed you, how would you have responded? And the guy said, he's like, uh, he's like, Uh, not well, but that's just sort of who I am. I'm like, okay, if I had said, excuse me, but can you guys please keep it down? And then both of them said like, that would have been fine. And we would have tried to keep it down. I said, okay, that's interesting. And I said, and of course, if I had simply said, shut up, you would have been upset. And he said, yeah, absolutely. I said, okay. And I said, I have another question. And this one is a little personal. You don't have to ask. You don't have to answer it if you don't want. What were you guys talking about? And he's like, well, we were kind of talking about, like, the movie, and it's kind of dumb. We're kind (laughs) of making fun of it. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. I said, what did you not like about it? He's like, it it was just, like, so predictable. And I said, predictable? Interesting. And I said, I'm going to start thinking out loud, if you'll allow me. And I said, that's interesting, because the studio that made Cowboys and Aliens even though it was based on a very successful comic book that's sort of smaller, right? I don't know anything about okay. that. Um, uh, <clears> okay. <throat> the studio would have, basically, especially with Summer Blockbusters, would have you believe that for the average film goer, explosions are it. Explosions and, you know, attractive Olivia-, Olivia Wilde, I didn't say that, but like, you know, but you were talking I- about the film being predictable and wishing it were better. And he said, yeah. And I said, okay what is a movie to you? What would you like a movie to be? And he said, he's like, I like a movie with like a good story and characters that I care about. And that's what, you know, and, and where I can't see everything coming from a mile away. And, and so immediately I'm, I'm I'm talking to you now, David immediately my attitude changed. Now don't get me wrong. I don't think they should have been talking, but immediately I was like, you know, the film, the film nerd community tends to, I think, stereotype people. If you are talking in a movie, mm-hmm. chances are you don't value movies and you th- and you're an idiot. That's the attitude we usually take. Yeah. This guy. That's true. I don't know if this is. I don't know if this is true. I'm. I'm sort of. I'm sort of. Uh, I don't know. Jumping to a conclusion, but in theory, if this movie had been better, and if it had had a, a story that he was interested in and characters that he cared about he wouldn't have had anything to say. He would have been, been much more interested and in, in, in invested in what was happening on screen. And so... Well, did you tell him about Miranda July's The Future? No, I did tell him about uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Oh. Um, because, again, I haven't seen The Future. This- I did see me and you and everyone we know, which I didn't care for. Right. If you didn't care for it, you want like the future. Right.
1: Side tangent. Okay. And then maybe we'll talk about the topic, but who cares at this point? We're half an hour into the show. All right, yeah. Um... This has been the summer of... Uh, that movie you thought was going to be terrible apparently isn't as bad as you thought. Like, Well, I didn't think Planet of the Apes was Plan- going to be terrible. Okay, Planet of the Apes. Um, uh, what else? Like, Thor. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there are more. The Help, I've heard some good things about. Uh, Fright Night, people are loving it. Yeah. I mean, not with not enough to see it. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I feel like... It, I mean, I don't know. I think it might still end up being considered a bomb. But I feel like the... Um, the word of mouth has been so good that *Fright Night
0: could be a it bit might, of a sleeper. Yeah, it might stick around, actually. It came out at the right time of year for it to stick around.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, yeah, everything I hear, everyone I know who saw it, who's seen it
0: has said great, great things about yeah. it. Yeah. I actually, I mean, enough that I actually want to see it, and I might go see it in the theater. Yeah. But yeah, Even like Transformers 3, people were like, it's not nearly as bad as the right. first two. And I mean, even... Even you and I know that you that I like it more than you. But X Men First Class, which did not look uh, at it did not look good at all to me. I, it lived up to that for me. I didn't like it. But there are things you liked about it. Like I was willing to completely dismiss it, but you can't dismiss Michael Fassbender. Like you can't dismiss yeah. some of the things that were explored in the film. But it's like, say you go to like a shitty like you get a sandwich from a Seven
1: like Eleven. Mm-hmm. One of those things that's like plastic and yeah. prepackaged. You know, but then. Somehow, on the sandwich, it has this amazing artisanal
0: cheese. Okay.
1: Right? That's what X-Men First Class is for me. It's a bunch of fabricated, processed, plastic crap Mm -hmm. with this one really great artistic element to
0: it, which is the Magneto story see and i think for me because i've seen x-men last stand i didn't even see wolverine which apparently is the worst thing ever but i saw x-men the last stand and uh that's just like eating shit off the floor and being like <laughs> hey this sandwich ain't too bad <laughs>
1: right, so right
0: but that's but that's me but either way like yeah i didn't expect that to be good i expected rise of the apes i thought like oh okay that ri- rise of the planet of the apes i'm sorry i thought that was like uh, yeah that could be good and then it turned out to be really really interesting and same with Thor and all that it has been kind of an odd summer but uh, so and, well okay and I, I was about to talk about Harry Potter but I'm not going to because you and I disagree on certain things but um, but yeah so so in talking with this guy what I really wanted to communicate more than anything was hey you were talking and I noticed okay <laughs> that's what I, all, for all the words I used which yeah. were many yeah. that's what I wanted to communicate which is kind of dickish and then, of course, I wind up getting
1: yeah. Then you had uh, what uh, what uh, I'm trying to think of the character's name. The advisor to Carcetti on the wire describes oh, yeah. as the road to Damascus moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't even, I wouldn't go that far. Like, I'm not going to say that I, it's not like people talking in movie theaters no longer bothers me. It still bothers me. But one thing that I am probably less inclined to do is just to say. Everyone who talks in movie theater is an idiot. You know, clearly they, clearly they don't value film. This guy... Yeah, I've been thinking about that recently, about okay. how
1: we care about this thing, movies and TV for me as well, you mm-hmm. know, and there is an almost gut-like reaction, a, a desire to, a tendency to lump all people who don't care about that that thing together. Yeah. And I, but then I, I started thinking like, I watch the Food Network sometimes, and like there are people out there who really, really care about food mm-hmm. and me, I like good food, but I'm also perfectly happy at Taco Bell every once in a yeah. while, and I feel like we getting that sandwich from seven eleven you were talking no, I about I wouldn't actually eat one of those, <laughs> but um, uh, and I feel like, oh, those food people probably think of me the way I yeah. you know want to think of people who uh don't care about. Miranda July is the future.
0: Absolutely, Actually, I mean, I've become evangelical apparently about the future. That's fa- yeah. Well, I mean, oh, you're talking about the movie. Yes. Um, yeah, and I mean, and perhaps you think of me that way with television because while I can appreciate great TV, I mean, you and I have talked off air about. I just watch Pawn Stars right uh-huh. now, partially because it's on Netflix Watch Instant, and I've got my little Roku box, and it's like I can just throw one on while I'm eating, and it's and there's enough interesting stuff in it, but it, there, it's also incredibly overproduced, and who cares? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't watch TV the way you do, and I don't know as much as you do, so like, you or, you know, your co-host, or... Sean, you could say his name. Well, I didn't know, you know. He's been on this show. Oh, that's true, that's true. Okay, so, I'm sorry I didn't listen to that episode, um, cause I, really, come on. <laughs> the star is not there. So, uh, but yeah, so like you or Sean or even like someone like Paul Goebel, although I don't think Paul Goebel looks down on anybody. That's not true. He looks down on most people. But uh, I don't think he would look down on me for that reason. But, uh, you know, people for whom TV is a much, you know, I I would venture to say that you consider TV to be as satisfying, if not not more satisfying, uh, a medium uh, as film. It's as 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 satisfying okay or it has it has the same potential to
1: be satisfying okay. to me
0: and so so yeah I and I think and actually I, I recorded sort of a I think I called it a mini-sode of more than one lesson that sort of addresses what what I would refer to as like the us and them mentality hmm. who, regardless of who them might be and it's like yeah we, we're sort of the them to any number of people mm-hmm. so maybe we should str- try to have a better attitude towards our them you know and for movie nerds, people who don't take movies as seriously as we do, not to imply they don't take it seriously at all, but also people who may talk during movies, like that that may be behavior that we don't like and are very upset by and we should try to change, of course, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they should just be written off as people, you know, and don't get me wrong, I've listened to that uh that Alamo draft house message by that Mm -hmm. girl who got thrown out for texting. Look, I've listened to that and I'm sure there are plenty of people like that. But, uh, but yeah, so talking with these quote unquote average moviegoers in what started as me wanting to communicate something to them. And maybe I did, I don't know it wound up uh, communicating something to me that I think was actually much deeper than I... Ever, I don't know. It wound up being a very interesting experience for me. So, sorry for talking so long about it. And let's...
1: It was, it was a good... It was a good topic. Maybe I'll bill this as being a dual topic... Okay. ...when, when I write up the description. Kind of like when I saw uh, the B-52s and the Pretenders in concert. It wasn't one opening for the other. It was bill, It was a double bill. That's okay. How it was. But really, the B-52s went on last. So right, I guess of course. They the yeah, headline. they're the, they're the headliners. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so... Um,
1: <laughs> but really, I,
0: that's how it works.
1: Uh, the B-52s, are, I guess, are more popular and put on a big show. And I like the B-52s. Mm-hmm. But I think if I had to pick... If someone said you can either never hear... You have to pick one band, the other one you can never hear again the rest of your life. I think I'd li- I like the Pretenders
0: more. Oh, all right. I don't know enough about either one of them. Yeah.
1: Anyway. All right. Let's get into it, finally. Let's just. S- let's just glance on uh, on this topic, like skip across the surface of this topic i'm fine and then, with that and then wrap it up
0: yeah because when you're using words like Tired. visionaries you really just want to have a glancing
1: <laughs> but okay what's uh, uh, i'm curious to know because when you say it was your idea for the topic mm-hmm. um and it ties into our thing we're doing with the uh, best directors list mm-hmm. um i want to i had a certain idea of what a visionary is immediately come to mind but before i talk about that i want to know what your idea of a visionary is.
0: All right. Well, uh, here's how. What did how, you look for in making your list? Here's how it came about was, um, so I went and saw um, Rise, on the Planet, Rise of the Planet of the Apes with uh, front of the show, Jason Eakin, uh, and front of the show, Adam Ribataro and we saw a trailer for something called, I believe, The Darkest Hour uh, from the visionary director of Wanted. Mm-hmm. All right. Admittedly, I didn't see Wanted. Everyone said it was way better than I thought it was going to be, so that's great. Hmm. But then I... So, I, I don't mean to cast aspersions on, on Wanted, but in reading reviews of it, the word visionary was not thrown around. Like,
1: No, I but were, also
0: For months,
1: I would drive on um, Olive in Burbank past Warner Brothers, and for months... Would see the ad for Watchmen,
0: yeah, it was coming out, and it said from the visionary director of Three Hundred. Exactly, and that's the first place my mind went was ta- referring to Zack Snyder as a visionary for Three Hundred. Um, yeah. and so I realized, like, visionary is a—that's a big word. Like, it gets thrown around. You, to me, using the word visionary is a lot like saying a movie's a masterpiece. Like that's big. And, okay. So now, this of course, is a
1: bit different than how I think, I was thinking about okay. it, I think.
0: And so, because there, there, I think there are directors that are auteurs. I think there are directors who have a strong visual sense. Mm-hmm. But to me, a visionary is something different. Not to imply that I think a visionary is better okay. or higher okay. than an auteur. Because
1: when you said masterpiece, I thought you were saying that.
0: No, it's just there are words that, get, that might get thrown around mm-hmm. a little too casually. And I think they devalue right. the word. But, but to like, me, um, a visionary is not necessarily an auteur, and I don't mean to put it above auteur. It's just different, I think.
1: Yeah, like, I think, to, to sort of get into what, how I define it, like, um, like, okay, I think Mike Lee is a fantastic director. Mm-hmm. As good as the best visionary director. Yeah. But I wouldn't call him a visionary. I wouldn't either. Uh, to me, a visionary is someone who is able to both imagine it in their head and then translate to screen... Another world, or 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 another, uh, an almost not necessarily fantastical, but a mm-hmm. different take on the world, you know, and make us. It could be a, a different interpretation on our world, or it could yeah. be a whole other. Yes, wor- yes,
0: that's exactly um, how I how I define it.
1: Um, like, and, and so I think the reason it doesn't, I think I can, I can almost forgive Warner Brothers for trying to push Zack Snyder as a visionary because I feel like, on its face. 300 has all the checkpoints of being a visionary film mm-hmm. you know in in that it is a, a different take on reality mm-hmm. you know um and and it is a different version of the world um but it at the same time it feels like a checklist and as, as we uh, I, I try not to bring what i know what the production of a movie in but it is as as a lot of the elements of Watchmen, it's very slavishly devoted to the source material. And yeah. I think that's what keeps it from being visionary, because he didn't think of it. Yeah. no, he just, it is,
0: It's a visionary view of the world, it's just not his vision. Right, it's Frank, it's Frank Miller's Which is why, vision. if you were ever going to describe him as a visionary for any reason, it would be for Sucker Punch, which I haven't seen, and by all accounts is terrible. But even yeah. then, it seems like he's sort of borrowing his vision from other people, like a, like a Frank Miller mm-hmm. or an Alan Moore or something like that. But even then, that's I think that's that can kind of be okay. Like You can be a visionary who's been influenced by other visionaries, and we'll get to that when we talk about Tim Burton. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like... Um, and also, by the way, I, I am going to... Maybe that's how we get into this. Um, I also don't want to give the impression that I think being a visionary automatically makes you a good filmmaker.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, well, let's... Uh, you know what? You know what movie immediately leapt to mind when you said visionary, mm-hmm. and I wonder if this will fall, fall under that for you because this is a movie you didn't like. Okay. But I wonder if you'll agree that it's a visionary film. Mm-hmm. The first movie I thought of was Avatar, because that really does fit my my checklist of a holy uh, a, ho- a holy imagined world, mm-hmm. um, translated to screen intact.
0: And I think that's... I do think that is... Uh, James Cameron was on my list, although he's not on my list now. Um, when I was first thinking of, of filmmakers, uh, he was on, on my list. And I was thinking like, okay, well, what are some of the other movies that he's made? And when I think of The Abyss and Aliens and Avatar and Titanic and Terminator, I, I would venture to say that he is uh, that he is a visionary. Because he does have... It's not merely a strong visual sense. Michael Mann has a strong visual sense, but I don't think he's—I don't think he's a visionary. Um, right. He's—I'd say he's an auteur. I'd say he's got a great visual sense that he has he, an amazing way of telling a story visually. But that's different than seeing our world or creating another world in a completely, completely so, different way. Do you think?
1: Because I'm think uh, you know I've got examples that I want to talk about but I'm trying to think do you think there has to be an element of the fantastical to be visionary? Uh, no. Okay. I, well, give me some examples of people who aren't because I, everyone that I had wanted to talk about has elements of the fantastical but not necessarily... You know what? Um I recently watched um, an amazing movie that would be if we were to... You know, maybe we should... We, I, I got an email recently asking us if we were gonna, ever going to redo our top 10 of all time which we did for our one year anniversary yeah
0: mine has changed since then
1: and uh there are definitely some changes. and here's one that might be a contender maybe episode 250 okay um i watched um uh the young girls of rochefort oh okay yeah and i don't think i mean episode 240 (laughs) that's a little teaser yeah (laughs) um yeah who are we doing uh is it i'm just trying to think of who's involved in the young girls of Rochefort. Is it Jacques Demy? Oh, is it Gene Kelly? Is it all of them? I is don't it know. Is, is it Catherine Deneuve?
0: Who could it be? I don't know.
1: Yeah. Anyway, um, and now that's a musical. So mm. in that sense, it's fantastical. Yeah. But um, it's also a musical. It doesn't take place on another planet, or mm. you know, it's not. Wizard of Oz, where they go to another whatever. Right. Um, it's our world. It's just a sort of more vibrant, more colorful, and more uh, coincidental in a sort of whimsical way mm-hmm. world that is, again, like these things I'm talking about, Avatar and whatnot, fully realized and fully translated. And I think, uh, so my example... And, oh, oh, sorry. And Demi also made... Um, Another great movie um, that I didn't watch recently, so I don't know. Is it because I've seen it before? What is it because it Jacques me? Is it because it's also Catherine Deneuve? You don't know who our next profile is going to be. Um, but uh, Donkey Skin, mm. which is fantastical, it's a fairy tale world except that they also like have telephones and helicopters. Like it's sort of like um, uh, another person I would call a visionary is um, Julie Taymor. Uh, oh yeah, for Titus where she sort of collapsed 2000 years of history yeah. into one place. So you've got one everything. awesome and
0: horrifying place. Yeah. You've got, you know, Roman soldiers, but you've also got like pinball and, yeah. and stuff, man. Oh man. That's a great movie. If you haven't listeners, if you haven't seen, uh, Julie Taymor's Titus, uh, go out and, and see it. And, uh, I don't think you see that movie. I think you behold that movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, the uh, the example that I have of a visionary who actually does not really deal in the fantastical is uh, and I'm sorry everybody, you probably this is not going to be a surprise to anybody is Orson Welles because Orson Welles he may have been as as somebody who like did magic he may have been fascinated by that world but he very seldom delved into it his films always had an element of of uh, suspense and mystery but they were always in in our world but his his ability, of course, camera movement, lighting, but also very specifically, you know, the mise-en-scene and just, you know, you watch a film like Mr. Arkadin, or The Trial or even The Stranger or Lady from Shanghai. Okay, all of them. <laughs> um, his frames are, are always packed. They are mm-hmm. packed with things, except, of course, in some cases, Citizen Kane, there is an absence of of things used to usually uh denote in absence of accoutrement. Oh. <laughs> well done. <laughs> French word. Episode 240. <laughs> so um but maybe unless it's Gene Kelly. <laughs> you don't know. He was a French sympathizer. We all know it. He was an American in Paris at one point. You know that. I have heard that. <laughs> so uh but yeah, so like so he's so his frame was always so full that when it wasn't it was jarring and it was, and he would do that on purpose to, in the case of Citizen Kane, like show distance between, you know, a husband and wife and, Mm -hmm. and their marriage felt very empty, much like the frame was empty. And so he's a guy who, the way he saw the world was just cluttered. Like I watch his movies, I enjoy them, but they always sort of stress me out. I always just like, Oh, they should just put some of this stuff in the closet. Um, (laughs) And uh, that sounds like a complaint, but I feel like he, he didn't merely have a strong visual sense. He saw, I don't know if he saw the world this way, but he was interested in depicting the world of his films mm-hmm. a certain way. And it, it was always uh, beautiful yet uh, kind of ugly sometimes. Um, But no no fantastical know, elements.
1: You know who your, the cluttered frame reminds me of? And someone I thought you were going to talk about because I looked down at your list there. Mm-hmm. And the first thing you have written is Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. But it's in your handwriting. And I thought it said the burbs. <laughs> um, But I, your, the cluttered frame thing made me think of, of Joe Dante. Mm-hmm. And I think he would also be a visionary because he's able to translate a mm-hmm. world that is like... It's our world, but then it also is kind of like... Uh, I mean, even before he made Looney Tunes Back in Action, he was mm-hmm. clearly, clearly influenced by Looney right. Tunes cartoons. Like because sometimes there is cartoonish violence with very few consequences, and he manages to make it all fit into into the world, you know. And Looney, and that's the difference. The difference between um, Looney Tunes Back in Action and Space Jam is the difference between an actual visionary and three hundred. Yeah, because Space Jam is a a sort of uh, a bad, like, simulacrum of of the Looney Tunes cartoons, whereas Joe Dante is uh, actually using the inspiration and the <laughs> milieu, I just keep using French words, apparently, oh, um, bleu. and then filtering it through his own worldview to make his own take on the Looney Tunes world. And it actually ends up feeling more like Looney Tunes than the... Uh, obvious and cynical space jam (laughs) it's really a terrible movie i haven't
0: i never saw space jam
1: i mean i saw it when i was younger and didn't like it but then as i've gotten older and like when i went to film school i have as i gained more and more of an appreciation for looney tunes cartoons Mm -hmm. you know because they're they're great they're not just good for kids they're amazing cartoons yeah and some of the greatest things that the animation as an art form has produced and so the the more I like Looney Tunes, the more I hate Space Jam.
0: Yes. Yeah, so quick side note: Warner Brothers cartoons. I was not aware as a kid. I was not aware of the concept of meta until Warner Brothers cartoons, like right. like Tiny Toons. Like I remember, um, there was a a scene where. Oh, sorry. Uh, there was a scene where it came back. Tiny Toons came back from commercial, and you saw Buster and Babs Bunny. And Plucky Duck, like, sitting in their chairs, like, at craft services, talking about their agents. And then they're like, oh, shoot, we got to get back to it. (laughs) And I remember being like, that's... uh, What? It just, like, it it was jarring to me, but it was so fascinating. And, I mean, with, uh, you know, stuff like Duck Amuck, and and the fact that characters would frequently address the camera. and You know, break the fourth wall. Like, that's... I don't think Disney, like, ever did that. I don't, I don't know. I'd have to do some research, but I mean, it, certainly not to that right level, and not not as a way of being clever and as a mm-hmm. way of getting laughs. So, uh, but ba- but yeah, I would say Joe Dante works really well for the maybe the same reason as like a Sam Raimi because I what I did not incorporate into my definition was that pacing and tone. Can also be used to comment and show what this world is to fulfill the vision. To fulfill the vision, of the, yeah, because both of them have such a frenetic pace. I, not Sam Raimi with like a simple plan, but in you know the Evil Dead films, um, he shows like this world where you just you you can't. No one can catch their breath, least of all the uh, audience member, mm-hmm. and so. And then with Gremlins and Small Soldiers and uh, Looney Tunes back in action, yeah, Joe Dante creates a world where literally you are living. You are often living in a cartoon.
1: By the way, by recording this tonight, we are not seeing the Burbs and Matinee with Joe Dante in person oh. at the Arrow in matinee Santa Monica. Matinee so
0: good. When's uh, the last time you've seen it?
1: Not for a while, but it is it is good. I, I I liked it when I was a kid, and then hadn't seen it for years. And I I bought it on VHS, oh, yeah. like when I was in like high school or college, and so that was probably the last time I saw it. Maybe close to ten years ago. Boy, yeah. oh boy,
0: man, it's it gets. I, I think I saw it like six months. I think they were showing it on like on AMC uh-huh. or something, and I hadn't seen it since I think it was a new release on video, and I was just like, this is. I, I liked it when I was a kid, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this wasn't for me as a kid. This is for me now, especially for me who went to film school now. Right. And it's, yeah. oh, it's really great. If you haven't if you haven't seen that, listener, we're going to be recommending all kinds of things. Matinee yeah. by Joe Dante. Let's uh, say
1: I was making my ten
0: best directors list. Let's just say. Yeah. Joe Dante would have a place on it. Absolutely. Kick Stan Brackage right out of there. <laughs> so, um... But yeah, uh, so one of the questions that you asked initially was, uh, are there any who don't incorporate sort of a fantastical element? And I think there are some, but I think by and large, it's... You know, um, because I was thinking about that after I said it,
1: and I think um, uh, uh, Michael Antonioni Mm -hmm. is a director that could be considered a visionary without making films that are fantastical, like uh, like your. Uh, Red Desert, or um, I don't know which of the ones I've seen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never forget. Did he do? You you never forget. What? You never forget.
0: Well, I never forget about I, that. I never uh, forget. Uh, did 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 Michael Antonio I'm be behind nine eleven? Oh, I knew. It. I'm sorry. I ne- I I never remember. Did he do uh, blow up or blow out? Um. I don't know. Or did he do
1: both? Oh, he did, no, he did Blow Up. He did Blow Up? Yeah. Okay. Uh, who did Blow Out? Blow Out. out. <laughs> we got to cut this because we sound like a bunch, of, couple of fucking morons. Yeah, he did Blow Up. Uh, who did Blow Out? De Palma?
0: Oh, or, you know what I think it was.
1: Yeah, that's the John Travolta one. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's De Palma. Because, okay, listeners, I'm not stupid. I just haven't seen either of those films, so I get them confused. Right, I haven't seen them either. So. And I get to... I, Here's how stupid I am. There's a third film that I
0: get them confused with. Do you know what it is? Blown Away? Blown Away.
1: <laughs> I get those three mixed up all the time.
0: That's one where uh, John Travolta has to go against uh, David Hemmings, <laughs> who is uh, a mad bomber.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so, um, so yeah, uh, Antonioni. There you go.
0: I, would say I also, on my list, I've got a couple. I've got David Lean. Who I was reluctant putting him on here because there was no supernatural element, but if you watch, you know, Great Expectations and um, Oliver Twist, and then to a certain extent, um, you know, Lawrence of Arabia and Doctor Zhivago What? I don't, I don't know. Where my head is. Oh, okay. Is it in the game? Because it should be.
1: Did I say I said Michael Antonioni instead yeah. of Michelangelo? Right. Yeah, he said Michael. Yeah, his name is Michelangelo Antonio. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know what my head is.
0: I call him Michael for short. That's me. I call him Mike.
1: Okay, go ahead.
0: Well, now there's just silence no, on your a, part. To- Do you want to cut this out? No, uh, probably. Okay, well, that's up to you. I feel All like right. we've... I think we've struck some comic gold, by the way. <laughs> uh, by Especially once you incorporate a blown away. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, maybe I'll leave it in. It sounds stupid. A film that is um, sub-speed. So, uh, I just watched Speed the other day. That's a good movie. Oh, I thought you meant it like just moved slowly. No. <laughs> it moves at a... Th- Compared to Speed, it does. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, I feel like David Lean is somebody who doesn't deal in uh, like fantastical elements, but still has a, certainly a strong visual sense. But also, if you watch, especially some of his earlier films, because he also did uh, Hobson's Choice, right? Yeah. And so, and he's someone... You know, almost in the same sense as uh, as Orson Welles. Like his frames are so, so packed. In many ways, it makes perfect sense that he would be the yeah. guy that you turn to for Dick, uh, for Dickens adaptations, because Dickens uh, stories were always so full, and you could always get a sense of the city and and how it was just overcrowded, and it was, you know. Packed with uh, street urchins and stuff like that, it just it made sense that you would get David David Lean to realize that vision. Although I did just say it was a vision that maybe belonged more to Charles Dickens than David Lean. Yeah, but uh, what are you looking up here?
1: No, I'm I'm not looking up anything. Don't oh, don't okay. show behind the curtain here. But oh, I was going to say about Hobson's Choice. I, there's a part of me that was kind of bummed when Criterion put out Hobson's Choice mm-hmm. because. It, I was like oh no, everyone's going to know about it because it was like this David Lean movie that people never talked about that I could recommend to people like, Yeah. oh you like David Lean oh you should check out there's this one with Charles Lawton called Hobson's Choice yeah. that's uh because it's kind of an off uh, I'm not sure what the word is it's uh, it's not the thing you think of when you think of David Lean it's yeah. neither the epic thing from the later career or the um, sort of uh um, I mean, I, I guess melodrama—that's really what Dickens, yeah—is so. um of the earlier career. It's it's a farce. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's a comedy. Yeah. Don't, he's
0: not a guy that's known for his uh, sense of humor. Yeah, no, uh, uh, far from it. Uh, <laughs> quite the opposite, in fact. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I felt with uh, the spy who came in from the cold, a film that I've been recommending for a long time, and then Criterion puts it out, and it's like, oh, now everyone's yeah. going to know about it, and it was uh, it was all mine. That's not true. but um, uh, And Taking Impelum 1, 2, 3, when the remake came out. I was like, damn it, come on.
1: <laughs> but no, back to David Lean as a visionary. Like I think... Um, Would cin- you agree
0: that you... Do you think he yeah, is? Yeah, and I was going to give an example. I was iffy um,
1: about it. That, uh, um, you know, cinematography plays in. I'm certainly with Antonioni um, a lot. And there's the story of uh, Nicholas Rogue, who went on to be... Uh, fantastic director in his own right and a visionary mm-hmm. in his own right i would say um was fired as cinematographer for dr jivago mm-hmm. because david lean had a vision in his head <laughs> and nicholas rogue was bucking against it and basically you had you had two visionaries one currently working visionary director and one mm-hmm. visionary cinematographer who would later become a visionary director butting heads mm-hmm. and one vision had to Went out over the other, and much like the train plowing through the snows of Russia, <laughs> David Lean uh, steamrolled <laughs> Nicholas Rogue and said, "Off, off with you! Go make, uh, go make! Don't look back."
0: Which you don't
1: know. look, don't look now.
0: Uh, what is with me today? I don't know. Ah. And ju- and to ah. think, a mere thirty minutes ago, you were regaling us in uh, French words. <laughs> <laughs> Although I probably don't, just sounded. don't look now. Because you know what I was thinking of? Don't look back is something, right?
1: I was thinking of uh, look back in anger. Ah, uh, yes. Which you and I watched together. We did. When we first moved to Chicago and didn't know anybody but each other.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you think back on that is a depressing time? You know what I was thinking the other day? I remembered that uh,
1: you, sweetheart that you are. Is
0: this going to make me look
1: bad? No, it's going to make you look
0: great. All right. like
1: a really nice guy. Okay. You would almost like we were a couple that had fought. When you would come back to the apartment with more arsicola, because we were always going out for more arsicola. Damn right. Um you would, so, you would buy me a king size Snickers
0: sometimes, because you knew I liked them. Yeah, let me. You made it sound as though you and I had a fight. I'm like, I'll buy him a Snickers. That'll. Th- that's no, a, but it just—it's a peace offering of sorts. But it kind of was in a way. We and, did and, fight and, a lot. Yes. In a nice yes. way. Oh, we. Do, oh. We yelled at each other. Yes, uh, it was it was tense. It's pretty rough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe that was a depressing time. I did make a <laughs> seventy minute film about it, but uh, which you can find on my YouTube channel. I don't know. I don't remember what it's called. But uh, yeah, well, I, I appreciate uh, you you remembering that. That's very nice. You know,
1: of I it. remember because I went to the community, uh, community store the other day, and they don't do king size Snickers anymore. They have these Snickers. Mike Schmidt was talking about his podcast mm-hmm. that it's two in a pack. It's like two slightly smaller than normal Snickers that make the size of a king size. It's like, why not just get the king size? It was yeah. awesome.
0: I'll, I'll permit that kind of thing with a Twix. Sure. Because yeah. it's already been established. But they're side
1: by side. This is like, this is, you pick it up, it's almost as if the bar's you oh, like broke half.
0: Oh, I'm sure a number of people are like, oh my gosh, I've broken my, I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't mean to, I'm sorry. But the thing is, the
1: Snickers wouldn't really break like that. It's not a Butterfinger. Right. The Snickers got caramel. It, it sure does. So it's, it's not going to break in half clean like that. <laughs> this is what this happens.
0: things <laughs> <ever. laughs> happens when we record late. Oh my gosh. I didn't think an hour was going to make that much. Although, I guess it was two hours. So, um, so yeah, now uh, another David Lean type director. Oh, and real quick, yeah, like uh, Do- I think Dr. Zhivago might be one of the most visionary things he did because when you think of. I don't remember exactly what the sequence is called, like the Ice Palace. Mm -hmm. sequence i mean that and one could say that even has an otherworldly quality to it yeah um but uh but yeah like that's another director could have just been like oh yeah it's a place it's uh it's really cold but uh and that's it but he really wanted it to seem like this almost a fairy tale uh location in the midst of a very depressing story yeah but uh
1: I, I love Doctor Zhivago for a lot of these visionary reasons but it's sort of it's Doctor Zhivago's good. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. It's not I mean th- this is the guy who made in terms of these epics he made Lawrence of Arabia and Bridge on the River Kwai. Yeah. Like it does it's nowhere near that. It it at times it's uh a little too slow and tedious. Mm-hmm. It's not a perfect film. But it's sort of like Gone with the Wind in that sense, that they're oh, yeah. both movies that I th- recommend that people watch, even though I know that they're not perfect uh, in, in a lot of ways. But what, the, what I was going to get at there is that, you know, when he made Dr. Zhivago, he'd already made um, Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why he sort of had the the, the budget and the ego to do
0: these incredible set pieces yeah. um, that he did in Dr. Zhivago. And you remember and, them, you know. Yeah. That's that's the thing is they don't, even though they are maybe a little too too ambitious. If there yeah. is such a thing, well, I, I think there is, and I'm going to give an
1: example there of another um, film that I would definitely call uh, visionary, even though it's very much reality, I guess. But um, it is depicted through it is the world depicted in through these through the director's eyes. It's not a very good movie, though, mm-hmm. even though it has its defenders, uh, and that's Heaven's Gate, um, the Michael Cimino film, mm-hmm. which, like I said, has its has its defenders. There's been this sort of, and I don't know if it was with the director's cut, the you know, like four hour or whatever director's cut, mm-hmm. which I watched. Uh, there's this sort of revisionist like, no, it's not that bad, even though we probably grew up as film fans reading about it, only really reading about Heaven's Gate as a bomb in the movie The Ruined United Artists yeah, but really one of the many <laughs> mm-hmm. United Artists just shoots itself in the foot every ten years or so <laughs> <laughs> um uh but that's that's the same thing it's like he made The Deer Hunter which is um also in my opinion an overrated film but
0: mm-hmm. uh well there's a difference between overrated and an absolute just a Insane,
1: right? But bomb. Heaven's Gate is not horrible. It has amazing sequences in it okay. and some really fantastic stuff. But it does seem like um, it seems like the result of someone who has gotten he uh, has too much power and too much ego to to hear the word no mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> you know, and that's that's the problem with. With Heaven's Gate, that is, so I think it is still a visionary film. Just it's not entirely successful. Okay. Much like Doctor Chivago, although Doctor Zhivago is way better than Heaven's Gate. Mm. If we're ranking, <laughs> it's just so arbitrary.
0: Well, and also <laughs> this it's, is what
1: we nerds do, and we're asking our listeners to do it—to rank people and rank things. But like, it's art. It's completely subjective. The idea abs- yeah. of saying this movie
0: is better than this movie. Like oh. it's all we do, but really, it's kind of silly that we even do that. You know, and here's the thing: like the to- like the top hundred. I mean, I mean, I guess I guess we do rank them, but I tend to look at top hundred lists. I don't look at even if they are in order. I just like well, here's a list of things I need to engage in. Uh-huh. You know, and and one could say it's like, yeah, but what about why not 150? It's like well, because this is a good starting point. Yeah. It's like the AFI. Top and some 100. I have
1: to get some sleep at some point.
0: That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need I need to try and be a good husband. And so, uh, yeah, I mean that's actually that's why I'm on board with like the AFI top hundred because it's just like it came out in '98. The the first one came out in '98. Um, right when I was I was a couple years into like my movie thing. Um, I was going to say phase, but was like I guess I'm still in it. Uh, but, uh, and it, it served a purpose. And so with, with, especially with the list of characters, I, I kind of enjoy that sort of thing is someone's like, Oh, a pe- like this. And actually this kind of feeds into Dr. Zhivago. I'm not a huge fan of the film. Of course, visually it's beautiful, man. I like, uh, Rod Steiger's character in that. Mm-hmm. And, um, Tom, Cor- uh, Courtenay. Yeah. If that's I, is it, Courtney or Courtenay? Like it's, I've always said, Courtenay, but I'm okay. probably wrong. Um, like both
1: of those characters, I said are, Mira Nair for years before Josh Fadem pointed out that it's Nair. Oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> you're from St. Louis, you know? Saint Louis, depending on where you're from, Saint Louis. <laughs> Not really. That's how I say it. But uh, named it to Louis the Ninth. Oh, all right. Was he a saint? Yeah. That. He was canonized. What do oh, you know? Nothing. <laughs> you obviously. don't know about anything about saints? No, I don't. <laughs> Why does that surprise but you? The Louis the Ninth was a saint. He was a king. Yeah, plenty kings of kings. Were, they
0: were sainted. Anybody can be canonized. They. I know, but was it just an automatic thing because he was a king?
1: No, not okay. Not every. We'd have fourteen Saint Louis.
0: Yeah, that's true. No, we have That'd sixteen. Be, it didn't stop after
1: fourteen. There was. <laughs> it probably stopped at sixteen because he got his head cut off. Probably yes. So maybe, the- <laughs> maybe throw a sainthood his way just to make him feel. <laughs> there better. was a certain stigma attached to the Louie name after 16.
0: <laughs> just, uh, just a lot of collar loosening. He's like, Ugh. <clears throat> oh. no, he's fine. Right, this is fucking ridiculous. Let's get back. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, okay. Well, so actually, so far we've talked about visionaries that are specifically not fantastical, um, yeah. and so. We've also I've, talked about. I want to say okay. something real
1: quick. And then I'll just let you. Because I'm i the one who came in with no list, and yet I've completely, like, you know, run the run the board on this conversation. I, I've barely let you talk, All I right. feel like. Um, but another thing we've talked about David Lean, James Cameron, Michael Cimino, a lot of really long movies, you know? Um, but I want to bring it back to these visionaries. And, and so that's who's often thought of as visionaries. But I want to bring it back to this comedy thing, like Joe Dante. Mm-hmm. Because in order to create a comedic world that's also believable is a tough thing to do. Yeah. Um, you either do, a you know, um, a thing like Armando I- Iannucci did within the loop where you make it very much, uh, within our reality mm-hmm. or you have to heighten things and keeping all those plates spinning and keeping it seem consistent. It could be a tough thing. And Joe Dante's is good at it. Another guy who's good at, it and I think definitely has
0: earned the title visionary after Scott Pilgrim is Edgar Wright. Oh, you know, I didn't even think of that, but you're absolutely right. Um, he he does in all you know, in all three of his films, mm-hmm. he creates a, a world like, like I mean, an alternate reality. Yeah. Um, I mean, his films are just as cartoonish, if not more so, uh-huh. than Joe Dante. And I'm do you know if he uh, if he cites Joe Dante as a as an influence? I don't know. I'd like to ask him. It, it feels like he would. I don't see how he couldn't, um, especially with something like like uh, Hot Fuzz, I mean, just Mm -hmm. the way he uses, uh, you know, editing and and pacing. Um, Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Where just these worlds where anything can happen often does. And, uh, man, now I'm kicking myself for having not thought about that. And, yeah, it's actually, now that I look at this, a lot of these, uh, a lot of the filmmakers on my list tend to make, like, longer films that Mm -hmm. are a little... For lack of a better word, self-serious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's interesting, and I don't, and I don't think of comedy that way. Maybe, uh, maybe because, like, in many cases, for comedy, this is one theory of comedy. I don't know if it's if I would say it's absolutely true. Um, for comedy, for a comedy to really be funny, it needs to have some sort of grounding in reality. So even if something is is. Uh, Otherworldly, mm-hmm. it needs to have something recognizable to us. And I guess in Shaun of the Dead, it's it's mostly Shaun. There's there's emotional truth to all his movies. Yeah,
1: you know. And I mean, uh, Joe Dante makes movies. Um, whereas Edgar Wright makes movies that are actually pretty complex and nuanced character studies. Yeah, Joe Dante makes movies about universal themes. Mm-hmm. I think you know, or 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 has things pop up um, that you know they... The, the characters might not be super deep in Joe Dante's movies, and I don't mm. think he aims for them to be, but the things that they feel, you know, the I, you know, Gizmo is adorable. And that's not just... He sure is. Joe Dante didn't just make him that way um, to sell toys, or even just as a contrast to what the Gremlins become. Mm. Um, he, he did that because uh, it makes us immediately understand what the stakes are and um what um uh billy's um relationship is and and toward uh toward gizmo and also Mm -hmm. and and by extension toward the world because if billy is the kind of guy who cares about this defenseless innocent and Mm -hmm. adorable thing then uh he's our guy you know right so uh uh, I can't remember where this all started but um, oh about what grounds it grounds these yeah. movies in, in reality I think mm-hmm. yeah it's it's um, well observed characters in uh, in Edgar Wright's movies and it's universal themes in Joe Dante's movies
0: okay yeah, and that uh, yeah and that, that makes sense to me um, so real quick because I know we've, we're probably going pretty long right yeah eh, at this point fuck it we can just talk about Snickers bars damn right we'll talk about <laughs> Snickers bars let's do it um but, uh, so of course, uh, I did mention Tim Burton, uh, at, you know, near the beginning of this discussion, uh, who timely uh, what with, um, this new Planet of the apes movie out, <laughs> man, it's such a great companion piece to well, his, cause everyone uh,
1: was saying, like, I think that I talked about how it overcame expectations because everyone was saying there's no
0: way it's going to be as good <laughs> as Tim Burton's planet of the apes. <laughs> Here's what's here's how here's how bad that movie was. Not only do people not think of it when they think of Planet of the Apes films, they don't think of it when they think of Tim Burton films. Yeah. It has just left uh <laughs> our our minds. And it shouldn't, for the same reason that we should not forget 9/11. <laughs> Those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. Yeah. You watch Planet of the Apes and it's like uh Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes and it's just like well, I mean it's apes. It's name recognition. It's Mark Wahlberg. Clear this thing's gonna be great. People are gonna love it. Nobody likes that movie. It's really it's one of those it's one of those rare occasions where no one likes it. You can't find anybody who enjoys it. You know? From the from the snootiest critic to the dumbest person finally something we can all agree on
1: <laughs> i think when i saw it though i saw it well after you came and saw it with me i don't know why you even came because you had, had already seen, it, seen before. it before and you came to see it a second time uh, you know
0: why because as you mentioned before desperately lonely yeah uh,
1: at like a so, two a two dollar second run theater in
0: not a good area of the neighborhood yes i
1: did although that i think the area has been pretty well gentrified by now i mean it's been almost 10 years it's been 10 years right since planet of the apes came out yeah Tim Burton's? So. it was a yeah. one um I think uh, I had heard so many awful things about it by the time I saw it just the fact that it was coherent made me think like oh okay it's not as bad as everyone said and it
0: absolutely was coherent right up until the right, end
1: yeah that doesn't make any sense the end doesn't make any sense man but yeah I remember walking out of there, out of there going okay <laughs> but then putting some distance between me and and what I had in my head, in my head going into the movie I've come to realize that yeah it's
0: horrible You know what's good in that movie? Paul Giamatti. But even... I think he's misused, you know? Oh, you mean as the guy who basically is a slave owner? And uh, deals uh, in human slaves? Yeah, except that he's also like comic relief. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. So uh, maybe that character... Should not be the comic relief.
1: Yeah, the character doesn't
0: make any sense. Right. No, I I, I agree with that. Although I always... uh, I did actually laugh at some of the stuff he did. But I remember that film it like it ruined tim roth one of the who is responsible in my opinion for one of the greatest villains of all time in rob roy a movie that i know you're not a big fan yeah. of but you can't deny that archibald cunningham is great <laughs> yeah he's as good. a villain but like i don't know if tim burton said like all right look you're the villain and as we all know villains are pretty one note and they need to deliver it, Deliver every line as evil as possible. That's how we know they're the villain. <laughs> so can you do that? And I just imagine Tim Roth just saying, like, um, are, you, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. I'm Tim Burton. I'm not a good director. Have you seen... Uh,
1: uh, if you haven't seen it, watch it. It'll, it'll uh, re-spark your love for Tim Roth. Uh, the aforementioned Nicholas Rogue made a version of Heart of Darkness. Um, oh, yeah. Where John Malkovich plays uh, Kurtz, mm-hmm. and
0: uh, Tim Roth plays the guy who's going on. Right.
1: Willard is his name in Apocalypse Now, right? I think
0: that's just his name. Um, I, I, that's I, I, not actually true. I'm, I'm not that. i can't I'm pretty dumb. It. It's late. For those of you, dude,
1: I don't know if, if it's been noticed, but we edited a thing out because I said a different stupid thing that I,
0: I, I keep, my, my brain is not here right now. Well, that's all right i can uh, take over the discussion for a while but like uh, i said you would yeah i'm gonna just gonna shut up that's fine so uh which is unfortunate because i'm gonna I, I keep wanting to throw to you um okay so because that's the thing is i don't want to just burn through this list like we so often do at the end of an episode that we're getting But we are coming to tired the end of. Of this episode yeah so it's just like <laughs> uh, and that's really what
1: happens yeah Listen, we get tired of these topics we don't resolve them
0: Oh, well, we never resolve them. No, that's fine. We talk until we don't feel like talking about it anymore. <laughs> exactly. And just like, yeah, yeah, I guess I guess if you think about it, Terry Gilliam's a visionary. Whatever. Even though he's near the top of the list of visionaries, yeah. I think. Um, God,
1: who, who listens to this show? No wonder we've plateaued. How are we supposed to get more people to li- This show's ridiculous. I know.
0: <laughs> it's delightfully ridiculous, though, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, anybody who's still
1: listening at this point. Diehard fan. Yeah. And hey, you and know what? a ridiculous person. And here's the thing. If you're listening right now, and God help you if you're enjoying it, you are a ridiculous person.
0: <laughs> and here's the thing. The download and subscriber numbers, they don't reflect how many people uh, just turn off their computer halfway through. <laughs> I don't... Literally, they turn off the entire computer. Yeah, they're like, they're I'm so- <laughs> done today. I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> <I've>... <laughs> I don't I don't want to send any emails because I'm worried that I will uh, just start swearing <laughs> <in them. laughs> But All right, uh, go on, yeah, Terry Gilliam. Yeah, yeah. So well, Great and the thing example. is, I was with Tim Burton. Actually, I was actually, I was kind of, I was like, well, does he count as a visionary because his films are so influenced by the films like F.W. Renow and Fritz Lang and you know that sort of thing? Um, does he count? And I think he does. Yeah, I because agree. because of course his his idea of bringing that those ideas to something as incredibly mainstream as Batman Mm -hmm. and then it's like oh oh all right uh, Batman was a big hit because how could a Batman film not be a big hit all right well Batman and Robin but either way uh how could that not happen so here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna make it even more expressionistic with Batman Returns yeah and uh and maybe just totally freak people out yeah. by by doing so, which was really I think an awesome and that's an awesome instinct. That's something that I like. And and there's no there's no doubting that like when you watch Sleepy Hollow, even though people don't really like that film, I like it a, a great deal. But when you watch it like he just he creates he has control over every aspect of that world and it will look the way he wants it to look.
1: Now I now was Sleepy Hollow was what year?
0: Ninety nine. Okay, and then he didn't do anything again until Big Fish, right? I don't think so. Okay. He just took a break. Right. You know? Okay. I mean, here's the thing. Even though you and I are being facetious and I said, well, he took a break, he did take a break. Yeah. He just happened to direct a film while he was on that break.
1: <laughs> but, uh... But and yeah. he hasn't made anything since Big Fish, right? That was the last movie he made?
0: Yeah, I think so. Okay. Oh, wait a second. No, I did like Sweeney Todd. Oh, I didn't see that one. So, but that's one you know, and, and... Tim Burton Fatigue. Chalk that up to Tim Burton Fatigue. That's why I didn't go see it and didn't see Alice in Wonderland. Ugh. It's really quite terrible. Yeah. I saw that dumb Charlie and the Joggle Factory movie. Yeah. No thanks. Which actually, you know, and, and in many ways, it makes not as much sense as for someone like Wes Anderson, who I think is also a visionary. Um, it makes sense that Roald Dahl, Tim Burton... It could work. Mm-hmm. Fifteen years ago,
1: right when you, uh, yeah, the the Tim Burton who made Pee Wee's Big Adventure is the perfect guy to yeah, or, re- to make Charlie and the Chocolate or Factory.
0: Beetlejuice or something like that. But now, like Alice in Wonder, certainly with Alice in Wonderland, but then also like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, it seemed like such a such a shrug of an idea, yeah. where it's just like, look, we all knew this was going to happen anyway, right? <laughs> Might as well get it over with. Um, um, and yeah, it's it
1: would have been a good because here is the thing. Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, I know you guys, you listeners, despite your nostalgia, it's not a great movie. It has some great elements to it, and Gene Wilder's performance is off the charts awesome. Yeah. Um, but it is a movie that it's like has a lot of promise, and it's like, oh, if someone could just take that movie and
0: tweak the things that are mm-hmm. not great about it. Keep uh, Gene Wilder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, They've done that before, but like they put celebrities in commercials just take his performance <laughs> right. and digitally put it in a new movie. Yeah. Um it you know, seemed such a great idea and it was just so botched. Yeah, it's it really is a shame. But uh, but yeah, but he is somebody who even in even Alice in Wonderland, I mean to his credit, he did make it a little creepier than I thought he would. Alice um, in Wonderland? Or Charlie, yeah. talking. About? Okay. Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, yeah. Alice in Wonderland. I hate you so much. But uh Actually, I thought he might. Mu- I don't know. It's. I remember being frustrated because I thought he was going to. He was just going to overplay the weirdness of it. The brilliance of Alice in Wonderland is a. At, I'm sorry, Wonderland <laughs> as a story. You don't have to do it just because I do it. I feel like I have no choice now. That's what you've done you know to what? me. Since we're talking about it, I want to make it clear
1: that I've been doing that sort of thing before Paul Goble did. I love. I, I love Paul Goble's show. Mm. But I, and and he's never accused me of, or anything of right. like this is all on you pronouncing words weird. Um, but I just want to make it clear for those of you who listen to both shows. Um, and I'm not saying he got it from me either. I'm just saying it, it started a different. It started with my friend Dusty back at the video store I used to work at. Mm-hmm. He's the one I'm really stealing from because he started refer, referring to the clipboard as a clipboard, <laughs> and it cracked me up. And so I, that's where that started for me is that the mispronunciation of words started with that and stealing it from my friend Dusty. So I just want to make it clear that. If you listen, you should be listening to Paul Goebbels' show, oh, absolutely, as a little being ridiculous, not ridiculous, but being off topic, like uh Paul Goebbels' show is awesome, yeah, more people should be listening to it like i don't I uh, feel like I don't feel like I'm bragging or anything saying like we've since we've uh, you know he's been doing it longer, but we've sort of surpassed him in listenership, right. Um, and this guy that we used to watch on TV again at the same time in Chicago and we didn't have any other friends, um, is now like a friend of ours and we've been on his show mm. and that's, that's awesome to me because oh, yeah. he's a really fun guy and Jim is awesome and Tom is awesome and that show is so good week in and week out. It's one of my favorite podcasts and the yeah. most anticipated podcasts that I listen to. More people should be listening to it.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, especially
1: geeks. Like, yeah, they are ambassadors for geek culture in a way that uh, maybe isn't uh, represented on a lot of other geek type podcasts.
0: It's it's a great show. And I actually, actually I, I don't listen to as many comedy podcasts as I used to. Me and, th- and that one has made the cut many times like it. I still listen to it. And it's not merely because I, I know those guys. Even if we'd never been on their show and Paul and Jim and Tom had never been on ours, I'd still listen to it. It's really, really great. And Mm -hmm. I I laughed several times uh, during it, you know, out loud, which I don't often do when it's just me by myself working while I'm listening to something. I I
1: laugh harder when I'm alone because I'm not not self-conscious.
0: Oh, man. that's Well, you just look like a lunatic. (laughs) So, um, okay. Uh, Anybody else you want to mention or can we wrap it up? uh, Anybody... Yes, everyone else I want to mention. Just run down the list. Okay. (laughs) No. You're an (laughs) asshole. (laughs) Um, Okay. And you know what? Here's the thing. I spent 30 minutes talking about my little story, so this is my fault, I understand. All right, so I've talked about Tim Burton, who has a very unique vision of the world, and it's a shame that it is often used. In the interest of time, I'm not going to correct your use of very unique. So go on. Didn't we talk about this once with uh Jason Eakin where we yeah, actually and he looked found it up? some like new dictionary that has some tainted definition of the word. You know I used the initials VJ that stands for video jockey, that's going to be taken out of uh, new editions of the dic- dictionary. I just found that out. So anyway, um okay. okay, so of course Terry Gilliam, I think he's an example of a filmmaker who tells stories I usually don't give a shit about. Um it, I mean now. Uh-huh. But uh but man, he, he just... He really is a visionary. There's just something... He just... Even something like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which, if you watch Where the Buffalo Roam, some people could look at a story about Hunter S. Thompson and just look at him from the outside and be like, wow, how, this guy sure is goofy and funny, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where they get the comedy. No, no, no. Terry Gilliam decides, I want us to see the world as Raul Duke, Hunter S. Thompson... Uh, how he sees the world, drugs and all, and in, in what is ostensibly a comedy, I want people to be horrified and disgusted most of the time.
1: Yeah, it's a... Yeah, it's terrifying and sad. That's what... Yeah. That's what... Uh, and disgusting. Is. Yeah. Let's
0: not rule out disgusting. Yeah. What color is that water that uh, <laughs> Benicio Del Toro's in? Not clear, and that should be... That should tell you that it's uh, really quite disgusting. So, um, but at the same time, like, I mean... Brazil is such a wonderful, well, it's wonderful on principle, but of course the worlds that he depicts, even fanciful worlds like uh, in uh, Baron Munchausen, mm-hmm. or is it Munchausen? Uh, who cares? Who cares? Um, and Time Bandits, even those worlds which are ostensibly family films, even those are just like oh, uh, you're just on edge. Yeah, there's a there's a constant like presence of menace yeah just even when you're so even when there's no tangible menaces around um, and so like and that's really interesting to me that it makes me wonder like who is he as a person like he seems like a pleasant guy but all of his films regardless of what genre he's working in have just you're always tense and stressed and you're never at ease and part of me feels like what must it be like to talk to him for five minutes? Cause I'm sure he's, I don't know that some of the most pleasant people in the world is just like you get, you look at their artistic visions and you're like, Oh geez. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I didn't know them. So there's FW, FW Murnau. We he's spent a whole episode we on spent him. two and a half hours. Moving on, now. moving on. Uh, I'll skip Steven Spielberg. We've done an episode on him. I'll skip Stanley Kubrick. Uh, I wrote Ridley Scott, and then I wrote a question mark. Because when you watch Alien, and you watch Blade Runner, Blade Runner, yeah, and even when you watch a film like Legend, you see this is a man who, you know, we're going to be, I'm, I'm, maybe the reason that I won't say all this stuff is because I'm going to re- be repeating uh, myself a lot, just he creates, much like Terry Gilliam, creates these worlds of incredible clutter, but they're always very depressing and oppressive mm-hmm. uh, to the characters and to the viewer and especially in alien where these characters it's just sort of business as, as usual and that attitude in itself is disconcerting they're like no 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 don't you realize that you guys should be even before the alien shows up don't you realize you guys should be screaming <laughs> like this is really terrible like uh-huh. uh, these corridors are so fascistic <laughs> really quite horrifying um and so you look at those movies and those are the, that is the work of of a visionary
1: now i'm hungry for fish sticks
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh you just redeemed yourself <laughs> sir uh so but then what happened to ridley uh, scott
1: yeah i don't know i mean i don't know uh
0: like, even Black Hawk Down, which is a good movie. Even Gladiator, which has a strong visual style, I would not say he transports us to another world. Yeah. Um, you know. But that
1: doesn't... I mean, Black Hawk Down's a great film. No, it's yeah. very great, yeah. So when
0: you say what happened, it's like, really, this guy didn't Tim Burton us. No, no, no. I mean, well, in some cases he did, a good year, but... Uh, I didn't see that one. And you didn't like Matchstick Men, and no. I didn't like Robin Hood, and Kingdom of Heaven was all right. Uh, though I didn't see the director's cut. I hear it's much better. Um, but what I mean is... Visionary elements. This guy who... And, and even uh, the Apple commercial. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a man who... In the 80s, formed a lot of our ideas of what the future was going to be. Uh, bleak, by the way, was what it was <laughs> going to be. Um, and then it's... I don't know what happened. He just seemed to... I don't know if he lost interest in... Showing that world, or he felt he had accomplished what he wanted, and then wanted just felt like moving on. But you would think that it—that's why there's a question mark next to his name. You would think a true visionary, even if he felt like, "All right, I've—I wanted to depict this world here. I've done that. I will move on." But you don't stop being a visionary if you are, in fact, a true visionary. But you watch stuff like White Squall or even Thelma Louise, which Thelma Louise is a very good movie, and White Squall is okay, but like. Nothing about those films are visionary, and so I just wonder, in that sense, what happened? Did he just lose interest in that aspect of his career, that visual storytelling? Yeah, I guess people change as artists. I guess so. And it's... it. I don't know. It kind of... It makes me sad, because can you imagine if Ridley Scott had continued on the trajectory that he had started on?
1: But, uh, and then I would not see The Duelists, Then but, we
0: wouldn't have gotten film uh, and Louise. I suppose, but we also wouldn't have gotten a lot of his we might have gotten something better than Thelma and Louise.
1: I don't know. At this point, Ridley Scott's uh, existence is essentially fan service, apparently. I guess so. Because <laughs> he's making alien prequels and now talking about Blade Runner 2. <laughs> yeah. Um, time, time to hang it up.
0: Although, you know... Who, <laughs> I don't know uh, if
1: I mean that. You know... This who is what happens has, at the...
0: <sighs> though, you know who has remained a pretty consistent visionary is Tony Scott.
1: Yeah. You know, and he, uh, yeah, he's become more free and yeah. sometimes in good ways. Scott free. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, sometimes in ways that are surprisingly fulfilling, as in Man on Fire. Although I know a lot of people don't like that, but right. I think that's a, one of the better films in his career, actually. And then sometimes you get Domino, which is yeah a misfire from beginning to end. But
0: uh, but his he's I mean he, he's a very kinetic filmmaker, and even. I mean, movies like, in many ways, it makes sense that it was inevitable that he would make Unstoppable because his films are always about just driving forward, driving forward, and you mm-hmm. can't stop them. And of course, a runaway train is exactly the kind of movie that he would just happen on right. eventually. And um, and I actually liked his Taking Pelham One Two Three uh, way more than I thought I would. It's not great, but uh, but yeah, he's. It's odd that uh, the in many cases, the less respected of the two Scott, uh, the two Scots, mm-hmm. um, would be the one that has been more consistent and has actually, uh, sort of been more interested in developing his, his unique vision. Um, okay. So Fritz Lang, Charlie Chaplin, Boonwell. Uh, Bunuel, I don't know much about him. I thought maybe you could talk about, about him a little bit, but I don't mean he's a, would you, would you say he counts? I don't know
1: because he's a um he's a surrealist so the um this thing we're talking about this consistency of vision mm-hmm. is almost the exact opposite of what he's trying to do mm-hmm. there's an in, there's an intentional lack of consistency yeah. to the way the world works in his movies it, you know yeah so I don't know, I mean he's a surrealist, I don't know if I would call him a visionary.
0: That's true. I guess he because he's part of a sort of a, a movement, uh, that the very concept is to take us to something else, but that something else could be anything else, and mm. there like Yeah, I guess maybe he's more he's more philosophical visionary than anything else. But uh okay, alright, fair enough. That's actually a, a good way of of approaching that. Um And then much in the same way as uh, I'm skipping pretty far down the list, much in the same way as like Tim Burton was influenced by earlier films, Guy Madden, I mean, he is (laughs) defiantly visionary. Yeah. Um, He's somehow uh,
1: one of the great visionaries, but also with like the narrowest vision. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) absolutely. uh, He's he's got so many, it's sort of of like, I remember one of my friends uh, who's a... He played the guitar, but he, he he played like rock and country music, and he and he was talking about metal and why he doesn't like metal. Well, mm-hmm. I do like metal. He was like, he, he's like, I don't understand why these incredibly skilled musicians commit themselves to a genre that is one of the most narrowly defined and limiting genres hmm. in the world. Because like a lot of metal is, from what I understand, I'm not a musician, but from mm-hmm. what I'm told, very, very difficult to play. But it's so narrowly defined. And yeah. I feel like that's what Guy Madden is. He's he's uh, he's got so he's got more talent than most other directors have on their best day yeah. uh in every one of his films. And yet he is set and I think it's almost like the large boundary three or five obstructions thing like he mm-hmm. set these are the parameters in which i will make uh my films and
0: and it works for him but it makes me wonder like what and maybe you know uh maybe it's it's the same issue as uh as a ridley scott maybe if guy madden were to branch out he would lose some of his vision mm-hmm. um huh. so huh. part of me wonders like Maybe I want him to be that. Maybe if he if someone said, "Oh, you've got such a great uh, visual style. I want you to bring that to, you know, Aquaman or something, (laughs) or or Hawkman or something." Like, you know, here's the thing. In one sense, it's like, well, that's going to be the most amazing superhero film ever made, or it's going to be the worst diluted version of Guy Madden ever. You know, it it. So part of me is, part of me is like I don't understand. But if he can do, it, I mean, Guy Madden made
1: a film of the ballet version of Dracula, and he made it a Guy Madden movie, right? And I feel like he could take Aquaman and make it a Guy Madden movie.
0: That would be awesome. That oh, th- there's no question it would be awesome. But I, but I, I don't think, I don't know. It's so often, and we've talked about this. I don't think the episode's available anymore. When we talk about uh, like foreign directors who've come to Hollywood. And then we've also talked about when indie directors go Hollywood and it almost always sort of sullies their vision rather right. than bring Hollywood up. It almost always brings them down. And I feel like that would not always, of course, I mean, I think Kenneth Branagh is, as sort of a, a very theatrical director. I think he's a lot of the reason that Thor was as good as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but guy man if if people haven't seen anything by him i I'm not surprised. Um, I was in a German expressionism class I had no choice but to see his films and I loved them, but man, oh man see my I, my memory of that
1: is that you came to love them like I think when you first I think I remember you telling me about about to be careful, yeah, and you saying because we, we still live together, though I think we were in a bigger place and not at each other's stoves all, all, all the time. Um, but I remember you saying that you were really in awe and very respectful of what he had committed to and done with Careful. Yes. But that I don't th- I don't think it moved you the first time.
0: Oh, I don't know if I any think- of his movies move me. Uh, it, I mean, I have a deep respect for him, for him. And at this point, not always, because you and I have talked about the idea of separating a respect for a filmmaker and enjoying their work. Mm-hmm. Um, but often what happens with me is the more I respect something, the more I'll enjoy it. Um, not as a rule, but with Guy Madness, just the, the, the deeper I became uh, engulfed in mm-hmm. uh, German expressionism, the more I came to love what he was doing. Right. and then of course uh, I've mentioned this before then of course he made Twilight of the ice nymphs uh-huh. and so every it it almost seemed like someone's like ah, you always shoot in black and white can't you shoot in color and he's like okay <laughs> and then he, he makes a film in the most assaulting color <laughs> yellow sky yes, it is yellow <laughs> and uh, but yeah and so he's somebody who, I have a respect for, but it's just such a crazy... You
1: said you um, wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people hadn't seen a lot of his work. If, mm-hmm. if you haven't seen, I would say start, if you can find... It's probably I know, it's on YouTube, the short film, The Heart of the World. Mm-hmm. It's so awesome. And also, not like... Whereas Careful is... As funny as Careful is, it's slow. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, the Heart of the World is under 10 minutes, and it moves. It's yeah. it's a very exciting movie.
0: Yeah, and I think that... and. When you watch that, you'll be like, okay, I think I've got an idea of what it's going to be. Imagine hour and a half, two <laughs> hours of it. Uh, saddest Music in the World is is pretty good. As we have joked before, his most commercial film, <laughs> Saddest Music in the World. <laughs> um, and then uh, Archangel, right? Yeah, which I haven't seen. Okay. And then I didn't see... Was it Coward's Bend the Knee? I've seen Coward's Bend the Knee. I, I have not seen, seen my Winnipeg, which is supposed to be amazing. Oh, I haven't seen it either. Yeah. Yeah, I really want to see that. But uh, But yeah, so he's... So, of course, uh, he's a visionary. and The computer is telling me to wrap it up here. Oh, okay. <laughs> kind of well, I was, I was going to say he's a visionary, and then I was going to just throw off okay, some go names. Ahead. Okay, so Steven Spielberg, Stanley Kubrick, Spike, Spike Jones, Fritz Lang, Charlie Chaplin, John Ford, Frank Capra, question mark, but I, okay. I would not include him, I think, because okay. he's, he's more of an auteur in uh, Jan Spankmeyer. Sergei Eisenstein, Quentin Tarantino, Roman Polanski, Bellatar.
1: Okay, I don't agree with all of those, but real uh, quick, which ones don't you? Agree? We don't have time. I okay. don't uh, think I agree with Quentin Tarantino. Um, I have my doubts about Spike Jones. Okay, but um, I definitely agree with Bellatar. That's a great, yeah, a great one. So, um, uh, well, and, t- and
0: just to sum up, like it. What I what one thing that I, I hope we have uh, though we've gone on a lot of tangents. One thing that I hope that we've established is that a word like visionary is no small thing. Mm-hmm. Like somebody has to literally. I am of the opinion, and you you summed it up beautifully. Um, a filmmaker needs to literally transport you to either a whole other a whole new world, mm-hmm. a new fantastic point of view, <laughs> um, or uh, or listen. Don't you dare close
1: your eyes. <laughs> We've talked about this before. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> that oh, line is so, so weird. so, so
0: frightening. <laughs> um, but uh, but yes, <laughs> I do like how, <laughs> how much you committed to that. Uh, but yeah, either transport you to a whole other world or f- sort of force you to see through, a com- through see our world through mm-hmm. a completely different lens. And that's actually why I think Quentin Tarantino is one, because the lens you're looking through is the lens of film. Oh okay. Um, All right. So, well, um, what do I usually say? Uh,
1: I, I give out the. You guys can find us at Battleship. You, can, Retention you guys at, can
0: get us at Mike at MikeSpragueComedy dot no, I guys, don't think I say that. Okay.
1: Um, you can find us at BattleshipRetention dot com. on iTunes. You can email us David at BattleshipRetention dot com for your Pilar talk questions. Um, and I just went way Chicago there. Pilar tack Pilar attack. Pillar attack. <laughs> um, or uh, yes,
0: cause your uh, sex questions
1: <laughs> there. <laughs> um, Tyler, at battleship com for your top 10 directors. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash the pretension. Follow Tyler on Twitter, twitter.com slash more lessons, which is more than one lesson. His other podcast, more than one lesson.com. My other podcast is previously on, which is at previously on com. Thank you. Good grief. We'll
0: get you next time. Bye, bye.